idolatry being sort of the root of many vices, uh, putting things in the place that God should occupy. And again, we often worship our stomachs, television, money, power, wealth. We want these things. We, we make idols of our family. We, we, that is of our ultimate concern. Our life gets misprioritized. And then the dominoes start to fall in all kinds of negative ways, right? So idolatry functions as a significant portion of the Bible, right? I mentioned how three of the, the big ten commandments deal with idolatry. Uh, we often think of idolatry like in the ancient world actually worshiping an image. For us, it's often like we worship things uh, that we value, that we, that we give our ultimate concern for. Very few of us are like, Oh, look, a statue of Baal, let's worship it. That's not how idolatry works for us, but it's still pervasive. I want to talk a little bit more about idolatry today, but I'm going to talk about the idol versus the icon. In today's scripture reading, it talks about Jesus as the image of God. Image being like icon in Greek, icon. And there's a difference between an icon and an idol and how they function. That I think is really relevant. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm basically stealing from Jean-Luc Marion. I'm going to show you a picture of his book. Oh, that, see, that's my title, Sullivan. Come on, idols. This looks awesome. Family, money. Uh, Jean-Luc Marion, God Without Being. Let me just tell you, this is not a book recommendation. Unless you want to, like, slog through some deep, deep theology and philosophy. It's hard, but really rich. So if you love that stuff, great. If not... I'm just giving credit because I hate plagiarizing. <laughs> so I'm stealing from Jean-Luc Marion, right? So in this text, he talks about the icon and the idol and how they function. So I'm going to give you some definitions. So the idol fixes our gaze, fixes what we look at, what we care about, our concern, right? It captures, it traps it defines. That's what an idol does. It fixes our gaze, our desires. It defines. It draws boundaries. In contrast, the icon, right, Jesus as the icon of God, points beyond itself, opens up space, sets free, breaks all boundaries. So I've got a fun, I, this was given to me by a student uh, who traveled to the Holy Land, and so uh, it was crafted there, and it's a picture of Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus, right? Uh, if you can't see this, I'm going to put a different uh, image on the screen. So if you can see it, great. If not, we have a traditional icon or image of Jesus, right? Either one, right, whether you're thinking about the, the holy couple and Jesus, you're thinking about the, uh, an image of Jesus himself, it can function like an idol. So imagine if I came to believe that God somehow inhabited this object, right? And it trapped my gaze. And this is what I would actually worship or bow down to, right? It would function like an idol. This is what God is. This is, speaks for God. Same with like an image. If I came to believe that this image actually represented God, it traps, it defines Right? It fixes my gaze. Or I could think of this like an icon, and I would say, oh, as I, as I engage with this piece of art, it points beyond itself. 
it opens up space beyond itself to like, like the divine mystery where I might encounter God in new and mysterious ways. So it can trap God in the object like an idol or it can set God free, point beyond itself like the icon. Does that make sense? I'm going to give you an image that might help. Next slide, Saul. The idol acts like a mirror revealing myself. The icon operates like a window where, that you look out beyond. Right? A mirror or a self-portrait versus a window. Now, again, for most of us, we're not, idolatry is not going to come in the form of an object. For most of us. Some of you might have an object that is of ultimate concern to you, right? It's possible that that could be the case. But typically what we struggle with is what I would call conceptual idolatry, right? It's the concepts we create that we worship. We decide what God is like, what God does and doesn't do. We have our great, we have theology and we get it. We understand God. We know what's going on. We've got the Bible and we've got it all set. And we create God and then we solidify it and we draw really clear boundaries and then that's what we worship. And what we're worshiping is an idol of our making. You've heard this quote, I think, maybe not. It's from Voltaire. I like it. I think it's true. If God has created us in God's image, we have more than returned the compliment. <laughs> Uh, there's a reason there's like a thousand different Christian denominations in the United States. It's because we're all deciding and arguing about what God is like and what the truth is. And we're all certain. We're all convinced we've got it right. Next one, Saul. Concepts create idols. Only wonder comprehends anything. Oh, I love that. People kill one another over idols. Wonder makes us fall to our knees. Faith is more like an art than it is like a science. We create artistic representations of the Station of the Cross because art opens space, creates wonder, leads you to an encounter with it, an encounter with beauty or inspiration. And that encounter is subjective and it's different from person to person and not everyone responds to the same piece of art the same way. And it's beautiful and art points beyond itself to something larger, grander. Science categorizes, labels, and defines. Science, like math, is black and white, and we've got the answers, and that's it. Sadly, we too often in the West treat religion, treat faith like a science. We create a conceptual idol, and then that's what we worship. We decide what God is like, we trap God, and that's it. But what would it be like if we thought of it more like an icon and less like an idol, if we actually set God free from our constraints. So I want to look at the scripture again. I'm just going to look at a couple of verses that TJ read from 1 Corinthians. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image or icon of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 
For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That somehow our knowledge, God's glory, is displayed in a face, namely the face of a suffering other. And that the face of Christ Christ as the icon of God does not lock our gaze, does not set a definition for God, does not give us knowledge in some scientific way. It is a face that leads beyond itself into the very heart of God. So the challenge is, are you willing to blow up your conception of God? Are you willing to set God free from the ideas and thoughts and opinions you have so that God can surprise you? Are you willing to let God surprise you? Do something new? Can the Spirit do something new and different and alive? Are we, do we worship a God that's actually moving, active, a subject, a dynamic face, that when we encounter it, and I say I encountered God, I know you didn't encounter it the same. I know that that's Joe Bankard in a relationship with God that's unique. Are we willing to acknowledge that? Because I don't know that we are. I'm going to be honest. I think the most common form of idolatry in the American church is the Bible. That's the most common idol. The Bible says dot, 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 finishes every argument. It's a conversation stopper. And when we, you know what we mean when we say that? What we really are saying is, my interpretation of this passage is X. It's not it says X, it's how I interpret it. And then I take my interpretation and I reify it. I say, now I'm speaking for God. And I can levy judgment, legitimately, because this is the truth. Capital T. That's an idol. How do we avoid that? We have the humility to say, when I read it, this is how it impacted me. This is how the text changed me. This is how it's inspired me. Clay talks about reading the Bible before he paints, praying in the midst of that reading, and then letting God guide it. That's how you create an icon, not an idol. That's how God moves uniquely and distinctly in the world. But sadly, faith has become like a science where my arrogance, my certainty, my black and white mindset says, it's not just how the Bible or scripture has impacted me. It's not just how the Holy Spirit has impacted me or us as a community. It is once and for all time the truth. And that's what we worship. And if you don't agree, then somehow you're on the outside looking in. And we can see this so easily in other people. Oh, look, they're making an idol out of the Bible. Oh, look, they're making an idol out of their concept of God. And we can't see it when we do it. Right? So like my loving, gracious, social justice-minded God is also an idol that I created, that you happen to like. So we come together to worship it. And what I'm suggesting is, am I willing to let God surprise me and do something new in me, in us, in this place, for God to be more than I think, more than I can understand, more than I can know, that it's not the definition of Christ, it's the face of Christ that opens God's knowledge and God's glory, that leads us into this divine mystery that is more than we could ever understand or know. Oh, to treat faith like an art where what I'm really looking for is inspiration, 
an encounter with God, with the divine. But that takes real work. Because you know what's really easy and great? Just having all the theological answers. Like, I already know that. I already read the Bible. I know what God's up to. And then I can just be like, I'll tell everybody. I'll tell other people about it. You know what you should really believe? That's easy. No more growth. We figured it out. What I'm suggesting is we have to have a faith that is always calling us further, calling us beyond our conception, calling us beyond what we understand right now to set God free from me and from you. So let's take that risk. Let's do that, right? God is a living, dynamic, active subject that transcends what we understand and know. And man, I want more of that. I want to encounter that God. And that means i got to create space. Lent is in part creating space for God to show up in my life in new and dynamic ways, transformational ways. And that's what I want. But i got to smash some idols to get there. Right? Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you are not trapped into a particular interpretation of the Bible. You are not trapped into a particular conception of who you are and what you do that you are so much more and that that would cause us to fall to our knees in humility, to say we don't know, to be filled with wonder and awe at all that you are and all that we have yet to understand of you. Crack open our preconceived notions and our hard boundaries about you and surprise us. Move in this place in a dynamic way. We want your Holy Spirit to show up in new and creative ways. We want more of you in our lives, Lord. Amen.